Well, good morning. Good to have you guys here this morning. Good morning online for those who are with us. We are in the middle of this series, and I love that you are here. Now, maybe you have figured this out, and I just haven't seen it yet. But one of the things that I wish I could do, it's silly, it's stupid, but one of the things I wish I could do is I wish I could only pay for the channels that I watch on TV. Is anybody else like that? You're like, I just, I just wish I could just, it's like a la carte, right? Like I want a little bit, if I was going to choose, like give me the ESPNs, all right? I need the ESPNs, all right? I, I need a little SEC network, yeah. Get some, some local stations, and, and I'm probably pretty good. Like I've got direct TV at home, yeah? And they got like hundreds of stations. I'm like, I got like seven I care about, right? But if I was going to be honest, those that know me, they won't be surprised totally, but maybe other people will. If, if I got to narrow the list down, I got to chop away at it. There's two that have to be, make the list for Pastor Scott. And that's a little DIY and a little HGTV. Anybody else that would make your list? You've got to. And guys, I need some in the room just to go with me on this one. Hunter, you in? Okay, okay thank you. Yeah, I, this would make the cut for me. So I'm not going to lie. I just like it. I like the shows where they flip the houses. All right? I like the idea of they go to Home, home Depot or they go to Lowe's and they're like, hey, uh, you're, you're, you're shopping for grass seed. We want to do something awesome in your house. Like, I want to be that guy that's like, oh, I need some centipede seed. And you go, oh, you want to build a pool in my backyard? Like, how, how do I get to be that guy, right? That's what I want. I, I want, I, I would have to watch that show. I'd have to have those make the lists for me. But those shows cause a little problems, don't they? Don't, don't, aren't those shows dangerous for a lot of people? Like in the Moore household, these can possibly be dangerous because they do two things. When you watch these shows, you begin to look around. I don't have that in my house. Yeah? Like you always critique. Like they're little things I would want. It becomes addictive. It becomes unhealthy, right? That's one thing. But the other thing is, at least for me, it, it causes the question to be asked, what could I do on my own? Like, what could I do on my own in my house? And this is a bad question for the more house. Like, it's, it's, what? Come on. It's bad question for the more house. It's bad question for Amber and I to ask because it's bad for not only our house, it's bad for our marriage. Because if you don't know Amber and I, at least me, I'm not the most handy person in the world. And, and, and Amber and I, we're not exactly not intense people, okay? Like in the Moore house, like we love to have fun, but might be wired a little tight. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's not a shortage of opinions how things can be done. And so when you're about to do things on your own, you know what happens in marriages, right? Well, the other day, Amber's like, Scott, you know what I would like? I would like to change our countertops and maybe a little backsplash. Yeah, I'm on board with this. Let's go there. And she's got her ideas and she's smart. She's got this. I think we should go. So the, the most natural follow-up question, though, is do you think we could do the backsplash ourselves? This conversation didn't go too... <laughs> This conversation didn't go too far. But, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm the financially efficient person, better known as cheap, right? And so like, I'm like, what can we do ourselves? And so it didn't go too far, but eventually this question made it to the staff as well. 
And so I was a little late to staff meeting talking with somebody at the church, and I walk in, and this is the conversation going on. Scott and Amber are going to put in backsplash in their house. And so the question is going, and we go, do we think we should do this? Well, after the resounding laughter around the room, this, the sentiment was, no, but if you do do it, can we film it for TV? <laughs> so I got, the, I got the overwhelming feeling. While Scott doesn't like spending money, maybe this project that we're going to do, the best thing to do is not make it an Amber and Scott project. Let's go about it another way, right? But I like those shows. Even if it makes me think those ways, I like those shows. And if you watch those shows, there, there are kind of two project styles that go on. There are renovations and there are restorations, right? Like, that's how I kind of view these shows. There are renovations and there are restorations. See, when they do a, a renovation, it's kind of a mass teardown situation, right? Like, you see the excitement grow in the room for demo day. Right? Like that's what they, demo day, let's go after they start hammering walls and, and, and sometimes fireplaces and the floors and everything gets ripped up. They get ripped up to get down to the studs, not me, studs, so you can start rebuilding. Right? That's what a renovation is, but a restoration is something different. That's a renovation. A restoration is something is different. See, when you're doing a restoration, you're looking to what's underneath what's unseen, right? Because many times what you do is you tear away layers and see what's under that old paneling. You tear away the, the, the carpets to see if there's that beautiful old hardwood floor, right? This is what you're doing. See, a restoration project knows there's something underneath the surface that is worth keeping. And then you expose, you expose it and try to restore the beauty from when it was first created. See, a restoration knows that sometimes you don't tear things apart to rebuild. You just tear away the layers to find what's really good below the surface. Renovations and restorations. Last week, we started this series titled Set Free. For our first week, I had to help us understand, if you were watching, you were listening, to understand that the original plan, the original design of God is that we would live in freedom. But that sin messed this all up, and that's why we have Jesus. That last week's big, we have to take home that Jesus came so that he can set us free in him, so we, can be, so we can live free with him. We are set free in him so we can live free in him. We need to have a freedom mindset if we're going to live this life. We also have to understand that this freedom's right in front of us. It's not something that we have to go run around and search for and try to find. It's right in front of us because Jesus wants to set us free more than we want it ourselves. We just have to own where freedom is experienced. So if you missed the first message, go back to last week. Get that foundational thought and continue on in this conversation. But if you did join us, you'll remember I said being set free is easy. Being set free is super easy. Like, Jesus coming, salvation through him, through the cross, he pays the price, this is easy, he does all the hard work, like, the conversation ends there. Being set free is completely found in him, and it is easy, but living in freedom is something different. Living, free, living in freedom has some 
battles. Living in freedom causes us to make some daily choices. And there are parts of that journey of living in freedom that are going to be hard, right? There are areas in our life that we're going to struggle, and it forces us to make some decisions. And I believe the enemy knows that. This is the part of the story. We've got to know that the enemy knows this, and I think he attacks us where we are vulnerable. That's why John 10.10 has to be like embraced, absorbed of understanding that the thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that, that they may have life and have it to the full. And, so, and in the attacks of the enemy, one of the things that I think is all through our culture that he tries to steal and kill and destroy is simply our identity. That's what I want to talk about today. The struggle, the, the, the attacks of the enemy to steal and kill and destroy our, our identity. One of the struggles that we will mostly have if living in, while trying to live in freedom is our identity. Who are we? Are you there now or have you ever been there? Who am I? Now, the Bible's really clear about this. I think our Bible gives a very clear picture. There's not a wrestling match there. Once again, I went to the beginning last week. I want to go there again. Is Genesis 1.27. What does God say about our identity? So God created mankind. How? In his own image. In his own image. Back again to last week. God is the creator of all things. And when God creates, he creates with a purpose. He creates with a plan. He creates with perfection. And you are created in the image of God. This is your identity. The picture is clear in Scripture. You want to know who you are. You are his, created in his image. But once again... The big part of this story is that we're living out the ramifications of sin in this world. Sin entered and messed everything up. It messed up the perfection. It messed up the design. This is the story of our life. And so from that point on, people are wrestling with identity. From that point on, people are wrestling with who they are. I think it's because there's a battle. And the battles between these two things, a false self, and a true self. There's a battle that goes on, and it is a fierce battle. It's a battle of the false self and the true self. When, when you are giving into your false self, this battle that's going on, who you say are, you are is your identity. Who others say you are is your identity. What your circumstances say you are is your identity. And many people live every single day with an identity built on a false self. So I want us to realize that we will live in that false self our whole lives when we allow broken circumstances and broken people to give us a broken definition of who you are. That daily I see this, I see this in myself. That when we allow our false self to win, that identity that's not real, 
but that our world tries to give us through our, through our broken nature, through the words of others, and through our circumstances. When we allow broken circumstances and a broken people to give a broken definition of who we are, we will battle. We've all done this. We all are in this conflict going on inside of searching of who we really are. And so when we let those broken circumstances, we let those broken people, when we let our broken self define who we are, we will realize along that journey, this isn't right. And this is stopping us from living out our true identity of who God makes us. This is why I had to make it really clear last week. You don't have it in you to set yourself free. I hope I made that clear last week. You don't have it in you. Freedom is not experienced in me. Because of that broken nature that we see back in the beginning of Scripture, it cannot be experienced in yourself. And But if we don't have that filter, if we don't have that understanding, then we're always going to be looking for who we are and things are around us. We're going to look for the things that make us feel good temporarily. We make us feel good in what people say about us. But this only makes it worse. See, look in other areas of your life. You don't look at broken and unhealthy things to make things better in a healthy way, right? When you identify other things, that's broken, that's unhealthy, that's a mess. That's not speaking into my life. We do this for many other things, but for some reason, even though it doesn't make sense, we let broken things tell us who we are. We keep forgetting. Or maybe we just don't realize. We are living out the ramifications of sin on this earth. And so we are living out the false self not the one we are created to be. It's like that house. It's at the beginning, this house, the restoration that's happening. I think of myself as that house. I think of you as that house. In the beginning, it was created beautiful. You know those old houses, right? Like timeless craftsmanship. Such detail in the work. And there's this foundation that seems like it will go on forever, but then someone else takes over the house and they begin to cover up things. They cover it up with things that in in the moment seem trendy, but they don't have the lasting power. Like that shag carpet. Like it it had its moment, right? Maybe you still got it. I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm just saying it had its moment, right? But maybe it's covering up that wood that when you rip it up, you go, why would you ever cover this up? And so this is what happens in our lives. We cover up the beauty of what we've been created to be with something that's not going to have the lasting power, something that's cheaper, something that just, it doesn't make sense, but it's what we do. So maybe God today, through this series, is trying to remind us we're created in his image. There's no argument there. That we are people created by God for relationship with God in in his likeness and underneath all this mess. It's okay to admit that sometimes, right? Underneath all this mess is something beautiful. 
underneath how we pick apart ourselves, and we do that, is something beautiful and something that needs to be restored. So when we give ourselves over to God, it's like he comes and moves in. He begins to tear away at the layers, one layer at a time. All those things that we have, for whatever reason, have given into this world that are covering up the true self that God wants us to live in. He begins to tear away at the layers, not destroying, but restoring. Restoring what's underneath, restoring what he created in the beginning. It's, it's ripping up that carpet because of underneath you know what's there. Our false identity, this false self, through sin, through finding our identity in other things. I mean, you know how you do it, right? Like we all have our way that we are trying to find who we are and we all run at after so many different things. And all we're doing is covering up, one decision at a time, covering up who God created us to be because we're running after things we were never supposed to find ourselves in. But here's the beautiful thing about your life. And you will hear me say it over and over and over again because I'm just not sure we can hear it enough. Even after we've chased after those things, to find our identity in things that won't last. God is always pursuing us so he can restore us back to who he created us to be. Can I tell you this again? Because someone needs to know that God is still always pursuing you so he can restore us back to who he created us to be. And when we get there, do you know when you get there, identity is not the thing you'll still struggle with. When we get to that place, when we let God restore us back to who he says we are, we don't question that identity anymore because we know where it's found. It's not found anywhere else but him. And so again, in this series, I want to tell you, God sent Jesus to set us free so we can discover our true identity was always found in him. Some people wrestle with this more than others, but I think there's always a little bit for everybody that we wake up in the morning and we want to be somebody and we forget that we're already somebody because of who created us. And the freedom that you're looking for is not found in that thing that you're chasing, but it's found in the one who came and set you free. This is what God wants for us. This is what he came to do, why he sent Jesus for us. This is his story. I told you last week that the main message of this Bible is God makes a promise with his people that he is our God and we're his people. And then the rest of scripture is about how do I live that out and how can people live in that freedom he came to give? So the question then has to be, well, then how do I get this? If this is what God wants for me, then I want it. 
If God wants it for me, then this is what I want to. How do I get it? And so the first thing that I've kind of already said is we have to, we need to put to death our false self. We need to put to death our false self. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Death. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in, in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is a top five verse in my life. Do you have, do you have verses you're like, I, I have go-to? This is a go-to one for me. Galatians 2.20 is a go-to one for me. I have to speak it to myself sometimes to remind myself of how to live in my true God-given identity. Because when I am crucified with Christ, my broken self is put to death so I can live in Jesus, immersed in Him, in Him only. And this is where my identity, in turn, my confidence then comes from. I believe you want to find confidence in life. This is the place you find it. Everything else is going to be a roller coaster ride for you. This is where I find consistency in life. Because at my most insecure moments, I have forgotten those words. That's what I found for me. But when I remember whose I am, I remember who I am. I just know this. I have insecure moments. I've got to push back and go, well, who am I? Who am I? When I remember whose I am, I remember who I am. I'm crucified with Christ. I am in him. It's no longer me that lives. It's the life I live in Jesus. So, so my hope for you and my hope for me is that we stop trying to find ourselves in ourselves. We stop trying to find ourselves in ourselves or anything else and that we find who we are in Jesus alone. But if we don't put to death our broken self, if we don't call out this broken nature in me and say, God, I need to be crucified with you. I need to, I need to push back this broken self and only find myself in you. If I don't, I will wrestle and struggle over and over and over. But if I do, if I go down this road, my life will change. If I put to death Scott to find life in Jesus, my life will change. Because in order to, tr- to find true, God-given freedom because of my identity in Christ, I need to be made new. I need to be made new. Death to myself leads to being made new in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, we've already talked about that, right? We've talked about Galatians 2.20. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. When I die to myself and find true identity in Christ, I will be restored and I will be made new. Sometimes we wonder when we've become a mess, Hear me, listen to me this. The decisions we make in life can take us down roads where we screw things up big time. And you find yourself in a place where you're like, how did I get myself here and will I ever get myself out? Like, 
have I messed up too far for God? Have you ever been down that road before? It's never a dead end. It's never a dead end. There's never a dead end in Jesus. When I die to myself, I can be restored and be made new again. There's never a dead end. And what happens is when I'm made new, who I am on the inside changes. My heart will be restored. My passions will be restored. My motives will be restored. I think our relationships are, made, are restored. I will find freedom, experience freedom in who I am in a way I've never experienced before in relation to my life. Now, this doesn't mean I won't always have struggles. Like, I'm sorry. Struggles are on this earth. Scriptures talked about this. But what it means is when I'm made new, I'm made new to fight and to find victories in the battles that I've been facing. So those fears that have always seemed to be there, they're just, they won't be there like they once were. Like those insecurities that seem to always be there, they won't be there like they once were. The fighting with people that happens that always seems to be there won't be there like it once was before. The anxious thoughts, the anger, the negativity, the selfishness, the worry, the doubt, the sexual addictions, the bitterness, the materialism, the unforgiveness, the regret. When we are made new, those old ways of living can be gone and we can find a new freedom in Jesus because he's restored our lives to live it in a different way. We're restored in how he's created us to live and he walks through life with us. You may have been wondering what these, this is sitting here the whole time for. Have you ever seen these before as a kid? You should see this. It's one of those magic growing capsule things, right? You've you seen these before? This is how I want you to picture it. Scripture says when we are crucified with Christ, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I find a new life. And then he follows it up with, when we find myself in Christ, I'll be made new. These capsules aren't much of anything. They're not very impressive. Are they impressive to you over there? They're not impressive. Not impressive. The thing is, they weren't really created to stay this way. They weren't really created to be this. What they're created to be is that when we, when we, we put them in there and they say, hey, pour water. Pour some water. Immerse these capsules in this. Immerse them in this. These capsules were not supposed to be outside the water. These capsules were not meant to just be on their own. They're meant to, to immerse themselves inside this water. That's where the magic happens. See, what happens is these, these, these little capsules that seem like nothing, we know what's happening, right? As they find themselves immersed in the water, 
things happen, things change. What, what I want you to understand, that, that as this is happening, as, 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 as these capsules are experiencing what it means to be immersed in the water, what they once were is no longer what they are now. What was once in bondage, when found in this water, all of a sudden can, something can be released can be freed that was never seen before. You can see what I see going on up here. What was once a capsule turns into a horse. I got a goat. I got a duck. A second ago, was I holding this up? Oh, only a little capsule. Did you know what was on the inside? Oh, it's a goat. Like, yeah, it's a blue capsule. You know where I'm going with this, right? Like, our life, there's so much there that was created to be freed and to live. But what happens is, life comes and it puts us in this bondage, and we don't experience life the way it's supposed to be lived. It just holds us, it squeezes us, and we feel that pressure, don't we? We feel life around us. It's because we weren't created to be in this capsule. We were created to, to be free, to be released from the bondage that this world puts on us. And so we say, okay, I want to be found and immersed in Jesus. Because when that happens, it's no longer a capsule. It's a rooster, by the way. It's no longer, we don't know what's in there, but when we find ourselves in Jesus, all of a sudden we experience a life that we never had before. You were created in his image. You are experiencing the brokenness of life and the ramifications of sin. But that's why Jesus came. And I don't care what you've done, I don't care what you're going to do, God is always pursuing us that if we'll find ourselves in him, we'll be crucified in ourselves. So the life I no longer live is in my bondage of me, but free in Christ that life will be different. And I know this is a silly analogy, but I want you to remember it, that we weren't meant to be in the capsule. We were meant to be this to enjoy life in the way God designed life to be enjoyed and it, it's always in him this is what God wants for us this is what God is offering us but sometimes I think we don't think that can happen <coughs> sometimes I think we just think this is wishful thinking Sometimes I think we think this for other people, whether, whether I just, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in myself enough. Well, good, actually. I don't want you to believe in yourself enough. We've covered that. I want you to believe in that Jesus came to give you more. 
what I want to do is I want, I want to give you a quick snapshot of a person. Before we leave today, I want to give you a quick picture of what life is like when we do not find it in ourselves, but we find it in God. That freedom is not experienced in me, but it's experienced in, in, in what God has originally designed for our life to be. And the person I want us to quickly look at is the prophet Daniel. You've probably heard from Daniel before, right? Daniel in the lion's den. At some point you heard that story, right? You knew you've been part of a church. You've heard Daniel in the lion's den, right? That part of his life is pretty incredible. But actually what leads up to that part of his life is an amazing picture of how life is lived when we know who we are in God. No matter the circumstances, no matter what comes our way, no matter what people say, no matter what life brings, you can live in freedom because you know who and whose you are. Here's a quick picture of Daniel. Now, before I give you the quick picture, maybe this is a homework assignment for you. You want to know what to read this week? Maybe just read Daniel's 12 chapters. It's not long at all. I, re I read it again as I prepared today, just, just reading it because I'm like, man, this story is truly incredible. Read Daniel in the Old Testament. You'll find that Daniel grew up in Jerusalem in the lineage of King David. And this is really important. Because what we see is that the beginning of Daniel's life, he has a knowledge of who God is, who he was in God, and what God expects from him. And what, what you see is Daniel has a real relationship with God from early childhood. And because of that, I think this is why he lives in freedom his whole life. He lived in that freedom and knowledge of who he uh, was, even though he was stolen as a teenager and taken from his home in Jerusalem and taken to Babylon. He's from Jerusalem, but after his teenage years, he lives most of his life. The lion's den, he's probably 80 years old. He's lived this in Babylon. Because King Nebuchadnezzar has sieged Jerusalem. He takes Daniel and a few of his friends to bring back to the king to be in his court. But hear me on this. Even though this happens, even though this terrible circumstance where it feels like life is taken away, even though it feels like something is stolen from him. I mean, imagine being in Daniel's seat. No longer even a place he feels like he belongs. He's been taken. But he had a knowledge of who God was and who he was in God. So even though that happened, he didn't forget who he was. And because of that, he started getting a reputation of a righteous man with deep convictions and a consistent prayer life. And you see these deep convictions when he's like, I don't want to eat the royal king's food. If you read this, you'll see. I don't want to eat the royal king's food. I'd only like to eat vegetables. Daniel's not being a picky eater. He doesn't want to eat the royal food because it's probably been cooked and sacrificed to other gods, and he doesn't want to eat the foods that have been sacrificed to those gods. And what happens is God honors that. And it's seen that Daniel is stronger, more healthy than even the other people in the court, so they change their diet to Daniel's diet. He's living out his deep convictions. As life continues, God gives him a skill of interpreting dreams. As he interprets dreams, he gets to be in front of the king, and he gets to be in front of the king's um, uh, people around him, and he begins, begins to speak truth to these kings. As Daniel continues to live in who he was, he climbs the ladder, and he gets into these important positions. But as he gets to the important positions, it kind of causes problems, because no one wants someone else to get ahead of them, right? So lies begin to happen about Daniel. 
or traps, I should say, maybe happened for Daniel. And so what happens is one day the new king, King Darius, was tricked into making a new law by Daniel's peers. And this law was for the next 30 days, you can't worship or pray to anything else or anyone else except for the king. Well, they knew this was not going to work for Daniel because Daniel was a person of conviction and Daniel was a person of prayer. He was a person of real relationship with God, and so he couldn't follow those rules. So very soon after the law was made, he's found praying, as he did three times a day. And this is where we get to Daniel in the lion's den. The famous story that everybody knows, it didn't just happen like this. It was a life lived in freedom with God, that led him to the lion's den. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what you're wrestling with, testing your relationship with God. I don't know about your identity and where you find it. And you may be struggling, you may be hating life, and you're just struggling a bunch. And, but I'll tell you, when I look at my life, I, I feel pretty good that I'm not in a lion's den. And that's why Daniel's story can be an inspiration Because then I tell you, when he's put in the lion's den, this didn't phase Daniel. The circumstances didn't destroy the person that he was. Because when you're in a relationship with God, you know who you are in him, and life is just lived differently. So he's put in the lion's den. Because you've got to follow through with the law. And the next morning... The king yells down, David, uh, Daniel, are you alive? And this is what Daniel says. Daniel 6. May the king live forever. That's quite a sentence for someone who's throwing in a lion's den. May the king live forever. My God sent an angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. All throughout Daniel's life, I, I give you these things of life can be living in freedom and your identity. And you're like, maybe that's for someone else. No, like this is the way life is to be lived. It's not just wishful thinking. Life can be lived this way. All throughout Daniel's life, he found his identity in God. And because of that, he was a person of prayer. But he knew what relationship was the most important. He was a person of conviction. He knew what was right and what was wrong. He was a person of confidence. He knew where his security was found. He knew he was a person of humility because it wasn't about him. He was a person of respect because people saw something different in him. He was a person of trust because he knew where to put his faith. And he was a person of integrity. He was consistent no matter what he faced in life. I mean, look. Look at the response of a man that was put into a lion's den, which usually means a death sentence. Life is over. May the king live forever. That's a different kind of living. May the king live forever. My God sent an angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done anything wrong before you, your majesty. Even when it felt like someone was against him. Even felt when it felt like life wasn't going his way. Even when he had, a, he had a reason to hold a grudge and fight back. How did he live? He stayed true to God. He stayed true to how God created him. Because he lived in a freedom 
that most people never find, but that God wants for all of us. And you know what's even better? If you do read it, you'll see this. God used Daniel's life to point people to God in a way it never could have happened if Daniel didn't live out who he was in his God. Because what happens after lion, Daniel and the lion's den is those people that tricked, well, their life is kind of ended. They, the, 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 the mouths of the lions were not closed. And there's a law put in that no one could speak against the God of Daniel. Because I believe when we find our identity in Jesus, people will see Jesus in us and through us, and lives will be changed. We want to see a changed world. Look at the life of Daniel. Look at the words of Scripture where it's like, hey, if you be crucified in me, it'll be no longer your life that's lived, but it'll be life in me. Most of us are still living. Many of us are still living as a capsule. And God's like, find yourself in me. And freedom is waiting for you. Find yourself in me instead of everything else. And freedom is waiting for you. You're insecure today. I know why. Because you're not finding yourself in Christ. I'm there. And I have to remind myself. You're trying to make life about success in business and other areas. Yeah, I know why you go through a roller coaster of emotions because the, what you're finding yourself in is not stable. And so you're going to ride that with it. You're just going to do it. When you find yourself in anything but out, uh, anything other than Jesus, you will be through, you, you'll go through a mess in life. Tell me I'm lying. The ups and downs of life, because it will, it will throw you around. But when you find yourself in Christ, you're not going to be in that bondage of circumstances and bondage of other people's opinions and the bondage of this world. You'll be free. Because when we are in Christ, freedom is experienced in a way that nothing else can give us. How's your identity? How are you finding who you are right now? I want to give an invitation to put to death that false self mindset and be made new in Christ. I want to give an invitation for you before you leave today that you make a commitment to God that I'll not find myself in anything that's outside these doors, but I will find it in Jesus. And when life's against me, it won't destroy me. When I've put in the lion's den of life, it will not destroy me because I'm not found in my circumstances. I'm not found in this world, I'm found in Jesus. Will you close your eyes with me? Because I want you to have a moment, because we're gonna end in worship here, and I'm gonna give you a moment as we end today to be able to answer that question, because I don't want you to leave this place today and not be given a chance. Hear me, you have lots going on after this. I don't care though. We all have stuff after this. In this moment right now, give God a chance. Who do you find your identity in? Answer that question to yourself. Are you worried about things in life? Are you anxious about things in life because you feel out of control? Well, maybe you've given too much authority and you've found your identity in those things. You hate yourself right now. Maybe you forgot below the surface there's something beautiful 
And God's not trying to rip you apart. He wants to restore you back to him. If you made some decisions that have messed up your life, there's forgiveness and there is a new beginning in Christ. You don't have to leave today the same broken person you came into, into this place. If you're watching online, wherever you are right now, you don't have to go back to life the same way you started today. Hear me. In the beginning, Scripture says, you are created in the image of God. You are His, created in His likeness for relationship in Him. And today I want to give that invitation through Jesus. He has come to set you free in Him so you can live free with Him. But will you accept His death and resurrection on the cross for you? Will you say, God, thank you for how you sent Jesus for me? Forgive me of my sins. I want to find life and identity in Jesus alone. Help me to do that. Help me to push back against this world that tries to tell me to find my identity in myself, to find my identity in my work, to find my identity in my relationships, to find my identity in my mistakes, to find my identity in anything else. God, may we not l listen to the lies of the enemy, but say we are his. And whoever he says I am, that's what I'm going to listen to. And so we're going to end in worship today, and may you resolve that before God. And may he speak deep to your soul today. Will you stand as we end in worship? But that moment with God may not be over.